What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 70. And, hey, man, what can I say? This is going to be a, a jovial. This is going to be an exuberant. This is going to be a, 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 a lit episode. I don't really know what other way to put it because I finally saw my team produce what I expected them to produce. Um, so, you know, this is a recap episode after Washington packed up. Packed up. They packed up them Green Bay Packers 23 to 21. So that's going to be the title of this episode. We're going to call it Pack Them Up because that's what my Washington Commanders did to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers yesterday. So to give you a timestamp, as I do for every episode, today is Monday, October the 25th, I believe. October the 25th. Um, and it's a day after the Washington Commanders um, beat the Green Bay Packers 23-21. to And we're just here to give you a recap as we do always for every episode. Let me pause that. Let me scratch that. As you guys might know, um, we actually missed the Chicago Bears episode. Um, but, you know, that with it just being a Thursday game, it kind of threw off our week. I ended up getting sick. I was going to do a recap episode um, on Saturday after. I ended up getting sick and things like that. Um, and honestly... Uh, all wins are wins, but after that Chicago Bear win, um, it wasn't much to be potted about, even though it was a win. Um, that was one of the ugliest games in modern NFL history. Um, but, you know, I'm all for the defensive struggle and things like that, but it was just some bad offensive football um, on display in that game. So it wasn't really something that I felt pressing um, to touch on, uh, but it was a win, so I do want to acknowledge it. Um, and we're on a two-game win streak, y'all. We're on a two-game win streak. So back to yesterday, back to the positive vibes, because I saw what I um, expected to see um, coming into this season. And it might be um, with the quarterback change. It might be, honestly, with the quarterback change. Um, and that's something that I didn't see myself saying all the way up until a couple weeks ago, if we're being honest. Um, but we'll touch on that later into the episode. But let's get into this. Hey, man. Let's start with the rushing game. Let's start with the rushing game, and let's start with giving Scott Turner his flowers. You know, I was big early last year, early in the last couple of seasons, and early this year on, you know, Scott Turner. Um, you know, I was an advocate for Scott Turner. I thought that, you know, um, early in his tenure with the Washington football team in 2020 and 2021, um, he showed an ability to game plan week through week. But I did get frustrated with his inability to, to uh, make in-game adjustments um, this season, um, you know, with some of our horrid offensive line pay and things like that, um, with, you know, the statue known as Carson Wentz standing in the backfield, I mean, <clears throat> in the pocket, um, and we call it for shot plays and deep drop back passes and things like that. But, Scott, I got to give you flowers, man. You stuck to the run game. We had 166 yards. It's almost like Scott Turner, the light bulb went off and Scott turned his head that he can use both Antonio Gibson and both Brian Robinson at the same time. And like I hate to say it because you know we've 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 we haven't been the highest on Antonio Gibson as far as a natural runner. I've never taken anything away from Antonio Gibson as far as being a dynamic playmaker and things like that. But Antonio Gibson's the most dynamic player on his offense throughout the um, course of this season. Now he wasn't the best player in that game. He wasn't the best offensive player in the game. And as you can tell by the jersey that I'm wearing, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can probably get to who I'm going to touch on um, in that point later in the episode. But Antonio Gibson, even in the Chicago game, good things happen when you find ways to get Antonio Gibson the ball. Scratch that. Good things happen when you find creative ways to get Antonio Gibson the ball. 
He averaged in six, uh, 26 yards as a kick returner yesterday. Um, I don't know why he wasn't on that, that last kick return uh, before the last drive after Green Bay scored their second touchdown. But he's showing a different gear. I don't know if you guys are seeing it, um, but I told you guys before last season, I hate to be the guy to say I told you so, I told you so, even though that's often the case over here at Bleeding B&G. But I told you guys last year that it looked like Antonio had put on some bad weight since entering the NFL. He didn't even seem to have the same body type um, as the explosive, you know, returner, Swiss Army knife weapon that we saw coming out of Memphis. Um, you know, he had the, the explosiveness coming out of the combine with a 4.3940, and he had that 230-pound 230 230 frame. And while, you know, the NFL records show that he was still – um, close to that same, you know, weight and things like that. His body just looked different. It looked like he had a little baby fat on him and things like that. But it looked like he shared that off going into the offseason. So I had pretty high prospects for Antonio Gibson going into the season. Um, then the fumbling issues happened, him losing his spot to Brian Robinson. But newsflash, newsflash, he's still one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. And he has the stats to back it up. I'll give the guys over, uh, Craig Hoffman and Logan Paulson, a shout-out. They had a very interesting nugget that I was listening to driving over to the game yesterday. They said that Antonio Gibson is looking to be one of um, five running backs since 2000 um, to have 1,000 scrimmage yards in their first four seasons, um, with the other four being Saquon Barkley. No, not Saquon Barkley. Excuse me. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson. Um, who else was it? Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson, and Maurice Jones-Drew. So that's that's amazing that's amazing company to be a part of, and we don't normally look at Antonio Gibson. And I'm going to speak on us as a fan base as a whole, myself included. Um, and I think some of the, the, the fumbling issues kind of skewed our view of what Antonio Gibson is really um, really is. Um, but he's, he's somebody that's going to keep this offense moving. He's somebody that is going to make this um, offense dynamic when you put the ball into his hands. In the show yesterday, uh, Brian Robinson. You know, I, I, I was a little skeptical of the Brian Robinson. It looked like, you know, he didn't have his legs back in the Tennessee game and the Chicago game, which is understandably so, you know, coming back from being shot in the knee twice. Um, but, you know, I'd be remiss to say that. I, you know, I, I, I even tweeted it out. I was like, Brian Robinson is looking a little slow. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that not knowing, you know, what was going on and things like that. It's just an observation. It looked to me that he didn't have his um, explosiveness um, that he had coming out of the draft and, you know, early in training camp, early in the preseason, and it wasn't like he was already the most explosive back. Brian Robinson, what he was getting praised for coming out of the draft and coming out of Alabama is that he's a 6'2", 230-pound sledgehammer that isn't going to fall backwards. So it wasn't necessary that, like, I was looking for him to have eye-popping um, or page-jumping um, off the page, off the screen type speed. He just looked a tad bit sluggish to me, um, but it looked like he picked it up in the second half um, and, you know, Throughout the game this um, this week, um, he had that big run that, you know, they tried to call a fumble on. They got Washington down in the red zone. He showed some explosiveness on there. He had another big run, and he showed some ability with two receptions for 13 yards to go along with his 78 yards um, rushing. You know, we stuck with the run. We stuck with the run. And I know my antiquated, my, my, antiqu uh, my young, innovative football fans, myself included, you know, we want to see the fireworks. We want to see the explosion. We want to see our team putting up 30 week in and week out. But simply at this point, without the quarterback, without the quarterback of the future, without the franchise quarterback in play, we're not going to get that week in and week out. So we can let go of that dream. We can let go of that dream. And I will get, I will give it up to old paddle boat Ron antiquated ass because 
He said this a long time ago. He said this in 2020, and he said this in 2021. The way that we're going to win games with this roster that's constructed is running the ball and with ball control. But it's almost like they forgot that, and they had to, you know, prove themselves right with Carson Wentz. But they stuck with the run today. They possessed the ball for 12 minutes out of the 15 minutes in the third quarter, keeping the, hand, keeping the ball out of the goat Aaron Rodgers' hands. And that's how you're going to win games when you don't have a franchise quarterback that's going to guarantee you to put up points week in and week out. It just is what it is. There's no shade of Taylor Heineke because we will touch on Taylor Heineke. He played an amazing second half yesterday. He played a garbage first half. But the type of quarterback play that Taylor Heineke gave you, along with the play calling that Scott Turner gave you yesterday, the calls that he was calling yesterday, it allowed you to play above the sticks. We were 8 for 17 on third downs. Shit, that's 8 and 7 more third downs that we've been getting in the last couple weeks with Carson Wentz. You can't expect, you can't expect, you know, NFL quality play where you're not converting on third downs throughout an entire game. That's the result of your defense getting tired and getting worn out. No matter how good they play, you're getting three and outs, three and outs, three and outs, back to back to back. And that's what it was looking like for the last couple of weeks as a Washington Commander fan with Carson Wentz at the helm. Just being honest. Just being honest. But now we got a guy that can move a little bit in the pocket. Don't get me wrong. He still has the most noodleless of noodleless arms. He has no zip on these passes. But guess what? When you're playing above the sticks, when you're playing in front of the sticks, you don't need to take as many chances. So we're going to always be in a dogfight. We're going to always be in a dogfight. Win, lose, especially with Taylor Heineke at, at the helm because he has the moxie, he has the heart to not let us quit. And that's one thing that I give him the edge over Carson Wentz any day. Last couple of weeks when Carson was behind there in the Chicago Bear game included that I didn't record on, he was shook in that pocket. Carson Wentz is damaged goods and he's, he knows it. He don't leave the pocket. His back, his knee, his ankle, his foot, his hand, everything hurt. Carson Wentz is the oldest 29-year-old I've ever seen. He might as well go chalk it up and go, go raise some cattle out in North Dakota or some shit at this point. Because I don't see how he can play another down with the commanders. Not if Taylor Heineke keeps winning games. Or if we go on a free fall. You put in Sam Howe to see what you got for 2023. But Carson Wentz has played his last down for the Washington Commanders. And let's touch on some of that Heineke magic. Because he did not have a great first half. Matter of fact, I don't think he had a completion. I don't think he had a completion in the first quarter. And I'll go ahead, you go ahead, pull up the tweets. I said, man, this offense is so elementary. Because that's before Scott Turner got in his back. That was before Scott Turner got in his bag yesterday. We saw a wildcat with former college quarterback Armani Rogers there. I was like, okay, Scott. I was like, okay, Scott. And it's almost as if after that play call, everything opened up. It was almost like Scott was like, all right, we got this. We can do this. And if anything, if that didn't tell you anything, it told me that Scott Turner has way more faith in Taylor Heineke than he did in Carson Wentz. And it also leads me to believe to the question with that ESPN report that came out a couple weeks ago before, I think it was the Eagles game. 
Maybe the Eagles game or before the Chicago Bear game. It was before the Chicago Bear game. Was this coaching staff the ones that actually wanted to bring Carson Wentz in? Or was it an owner's or was it the owner's call? I think we're gonna get our answer as we go deeper and deeper into the season. I think we're getting closer to our answer as we looked up to the lead up to this week. When a lot of reports coming out to the national media, because you know that's who that's who, you know, our coaching staff seems to, you know, really like to give their nuggets to. That you know the offense, the playbook was gonna open up more with Taylor Heineke. Even though y'all told me that was gonna happen when we signed Carson Wentz. So I don't know what to believe. Honestly, think that, you know, they believe that it'll open up more with Carson Wentz. We, I mean, with uh, Taylor Heineke. We saw it yesterday. We had two running backs on the field for the first time since I, I don't know when. I think that was the first time we got that look all season. As I mentioned, Taylor Heineke played horrible in the first half. That pick six was so late, I wouldn't tell my high school freshman quarterback to make that throw. Especially when you got a noodle arm. Especially when you have a noodle arm. There were multiple other passes that he threw that could have got picked off. He missed Terry McLaurin twice in the first half for big games on a, on two, on a, a shallow crosser and a, 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 a dig. But they made up for it in the second half. Trust me, yes, they did. Trust me, yes, they did. And I'll get to that as well. But for as bad as Taylor Heineke played in the first half, he played just as good in the second half. And if you look at the numbers, he ended up ultimately outdueling Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know a lot of that had to do with, um, with our defense, and that's a testament to our defense, and I'll touch on them a little later. But, you know, we like to hype everything up as duels, as, as battles, as war and things like that, especially with football is in, uh, concerned in football culture. Taylor Heineke outdueled Aaron Rodgers yesterday. I don't know how I would have said the same if Carson Wentz was behind center yesterday. I don't know if I could have said the same. We see the memes all over Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and things like that about I got that dog in me or they got that dog in them. Taylor Heineke might not be the most talented quarterback. I'm not saying that by any means. But one thing Taylor Heineke got, Taylor Heineke got that dog in him for sure. Taylor Heineke got that dog in him for sure. No matter how many lollipop balls, no matter how many YOLO balls, no matter how many receivers he get killed, he's going to keep fighting to the end. He's going to keep fighting to the, to the end. Not, and I could, like I said, I could not say the same with Carrot, with Carrot Top behind center. I could not say the same with Carrot Top behind center. Prince Harry was losing me. I tried my best. I tried my best. Boy was out there seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Carrot Top, Carson Wentz. Carson Carrot Top, Wentz. Get out of my city, bro. Get out of my city, bro. Because I'll, I'll, I'll lose games with Taylor Heineke if he's going to give me that heart. The ball he threw to Terry McLaurin, the touchdown pass, the 37-yard touchdown pass, was an absolute dot. 49 yards in the air. I didn't even know Taylor Heineke had that. But guess what? That's almost the same throw that Carson Wentz made to uh, Terry McLaurin 
in the Jacksonville game. The only throw that we seem to wanted to harp on for five weeks. We like, Carson needs to stay. He needs to play over Taylor because he can do this. And that was the example. That was the exemplar. That throw that he made to Terry McLaurin against Jacksonville. We haven't seen it since. Well, Taylor Heineke did the same thing yesterday. So I better not see Carson again. 49 yards in the air. Hey, Terry McLaurin in the back of the end zone. Complete dot. Outside shoulder. Torching Jair Alexander, one of the best cover corners in the game. Giving Terry McLaurin an opportunity. Something Carson Wentz hadn't done since week one. But we knew that. We knew that. Taylor Heineke doesn't freeze his receivers out. Like Carson Wentz. Maybe that's why Alshon Jeffrey wanted to smack the shit out of Carson Wentz in Philly. I see why now. I see why. Bro just be forgetting his best receivers are on his team for whole halves. Like, what the hell? Terry got his most targets that he got since week three against the Eagles, which all came in garbage time. Because I think Taylor Heineke just has the simple rationale of knowing that you need to get your playmakers the ball. Something that Carson Wentz just simply doesn't have. Carson Wentz's football IQ is so shitty that even the baseline quarterback play that we got from Taylor Heineke yesterday is a big jump from what we were getting. Notice I haven't even talked about the offensive line yet. 20 minutes into this podcast. Newsflash is the same offensive line Carson Wentz was playing in, playing with. He was just standing in the pocket like a fucking statue, not getting rid of the ball. Like, I just can't get with, oh, we kept the same guys there. We made one position, one, one change at one position. And I can't, I can't not fault that that position or give that position. The biggest reason at fault as to why the other position groups were playing bad. And I'm not saying the offensive line was elite by any means yesterday. Yes, Taylor Heineke's legs help. But when you got a dude like Carson Wentz who's just standing still in the fucking pocket like David, anybody's legs are going to help. My 95-year-old grandmother's legs is going to help. Compared to a guy that just won't try to move or simply can't because his neck, his back, his neck and his back just hurt. Indian Philly got rid of Carson because they know he's damaged goods. But let's get back to this win, man. Like I said, it's a win. This is a win, something that I haven't really been able to pot about for a while with Carson Wentz at the helm. I told you about the dot that uh, Taylor Heineke threw to Terry McLaurin. Well, guess what? I told y'all. Y'all see why we got the jersey on today. I vowed to myself to never wear this jersey again once it got signed. I was going to put it in the jersey box, in the jersey case. Haven't got an opportunity to do that. Haven't got an opportunity to do that just yet. But with the way Terry McLaurin played yesterday, I had to throw it on. It's Terry McLaurin Appreciation Day over at Bleeding BNG. And the reason that I'm saying that is because we were harsh on Terry earlier in the season. And I'm not reneging on anything. 
Terry McLaurin wasn't getting as open as he should have been early in the season. But on the routes that he was getting open on, Carson Wentz simply wasn't finding them. Resulting in piss poor stat lines from Terry McLaurin that I know that he shouldn't have. No matter how not open he was getting on some routes that I thought. Well, Terry McLaurin answered the bell yesterday. And it wasn't even as if he put up gaudy numbers. Because a lot of my uh, fans of other teams across the NFL are like, man, you amping Terry. You amping Terry. The man put up five receptions for 73 yards. That's an okay game. Yeah, well, guess what? He did it with Jair Alexander following him all game. All game. The highest paid corner in the NFL. One of the elites. The dude that held Garrett Wilson at zero receptions with zero yards last week. And I want to hear it now in hindsight. People in NFL circles and the Green Bay fans were telling me that Jair Alexander was going to lock up Terry McLaurin this week. Well, what happened now? What happened now? All five receptions, all 73 yards came against y'all boy. Came against y'all boy. And when we needed him the most to kill a clock on our last offensive drive, he got two of the biggest first downs in the game, or two the, the two biggest first downs in the game against y'all boy. Running a nasty whip route. Got Jair Alexander falling all over itself. Then, hey man, did, did Taylor Heineke complete a deep comeback to the wide side of the field on that last play? The noodle hard Taylor Heineke? That's what happens when you give your dogs a chance, though. If you look at the way Terry McLaurin attacked that ball, wasn't nobody else getting it. I don't care how good Jair Alexander was, is. 2009 Darrell Revis, 1991 Deion Sanders was not stopping Terry McLaurin from getting that ball. And the smarts that he showed. We already know he one of the fastest receivers. He burnt Jair up top for the touchdown. We already know he wanted the more, more physical wide receivers. He's snatching the ball out of Jair Alexander's hands on a deep comeback. Taking a big hit, laying out of, landing out of bounds. But then he showed his smarts on the whip route, getting the first down, staying in bounds. With two dudes trying to actively trying to push him out of bounds. Just dragging them dudes for more yards and more yards. Yards in on in, in on in. Terry McLaurin played like a grown-ass man yesterday. And showed you what you can do when you keep giving him opportunities. I told y'all early in the season. Stephon Diggs sees no less than 9, 10 targets a game. Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup see about 12 to 13. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle see about 9 to 10. Terry McLaurin needs to see those same amount of targets. Because he's just as talented as almost all of those guys on that list. It just is what it is. And if you want to keep winning games, keep getting Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin the ball. Those are your two foundational offensive pieces. 
And I don't doubt that we'll do that with Taylor Heineke at the helm. On to the defense. On to the defense. I'll be remiss to not talk about the defense. Jack Del Rio's unit has stepped up over the course of the last month, really. But the whole Aaron Rodgers to 194 yards is impressive. I don't care who his receivers are. That's Aaron Rodgers, one of the three best armed talents in NFL history. I don't care where you want to rank him. Aaron Rodgers converted zero third downs yesterday. Do you know how pleasant that, that is to see? After being somebody that watched the 2010 to 2017 Washington Redskins defense. Some of the worst defenses of all time historically on third down. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I would have ever saw the day that my defense allowed zero third down conversions, especially to the GOAT Aaron Rodgers. Especially to Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> I can't do nothing but to, to, to applaud these men. And as it does always, it starts with the defensive line. The Packers have two-headed running back, monster that they like to claim, and A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. They couldn't get anything going yesterday. I think Aaron Jones finished like 28 rushing yards. A.J. Dillon had like 14. They couldn't get anything going yesterday. And I know I said it starts with the defensive line, but Jamin Davis arguably played his best game as a pro yesterday. Because Green Bay was trying to get Aaron Jones going. The first play they ran was an eight-yard pitch to the right. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, those plays would have been a lot bigger if Jamin Davis wasn't the freak athlete running a 4-3 that he, that, he, that he does. Shout out to my man, Dre, Mr. DC Sport. I saw him tweeted, but I was thinking it because, you know, we boots on the ground at the stadium every week. I was thinking it in the stadium. I was like, man, Jamin Davis' speed is, is flashing on the, off the field today. The dude has eye-popping speed. And no, I'm not saying that he's validated his 19th pick or anything like that just yet. But if he keeps playing like he did yesterday, he's on his way. He's on his way. Cole Holcomb flash. Stuck his nose in there. No, I don't think that it's a coincidence that the secondary has looked a lot better since bum-ass William Jackson has been benched, or whatever he wants to call it. Injury reserve, I don't know. I don't know what he want to call it. I like Ricard Wild Goose in the slot. He seems to have the athleticism to hold up. But I don't know who's more handsier, him or Benjamin St. Juice. Oh, my God. Between them two, we got the Frisk unit over there in the secondary. The stop and frisk unit over there. They, them dudes so handsy. But guess what? I'll take that over the explosive plays that uh, William Jackson and Kendall Fuller were giving up all day. All day. I think even the play of, you know, William Jackson and, I mean, um, excuse me, St. Juice and Wild Goose has elevated Kendall Fuller's play a little bit. He had a big pass breakup on fourth down. Hey, man. Things are starting to come around. Things are starting to come around. 
Now we digged ourselves in a deep hole. The NFC East is amazing this year. With the Giants at six and one, the Eagles at six and zero, oh, Dallas at five and two. But we gotta play each other at some point. We all gotta play each other at some point again. And we owe two in the division, so it's get back time. Is Taylor Heineke the dude to turn the season around? Is Taylor Heineke really the guy that's about to turn the season around? I don't know, man. I don't know. And lastly, I'll be remiss to not talk about Tressway. I don't know what it's done. Tressway might he he got he he must have a ball magnet. I don't know. I don't know. He must put some 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 Tressway sprinkle dust on the ball every time he punt. Cause Tressway got three month punts in the last two weeks. At some point, it's got to be something that he's doing. At some point, it's got to be something that he's doing. Christian Holmes is an amazing gunner on special teams. Troy Apke who? Troy Apke who? <laughs> Percy Butler. We won in all three phases of the game yesterday. That's even with a missed field goal. That's even with a missed field goal. And when you do that, you're going to win more football games than you lose. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We got Indianapolis Colts up next. I know it was looking at, you know, I know it was looking to be the Carson Wentz returns the Indy game. We're not going to get that. Hey, we may get some some Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder, Jim Ursay fisticuffs at the 50-yard line. Pay-per-view. I'll pay to see that. I'll pay to see that. After Jim Ursay's comments over the course of the last week. That might be the new biggest storyline going into that game. Let me know in the comments who you got in a fight. Who you got in a fist fight. Jim Ursay or Dan Snyder? You know who I'm going with. I'm going with Ursay with the round one TKO. But that'll do it for this, this episode of the Bleeding BMG podcast, man. Hey, I told you it was going to be juvie. I told you it was going to be lit. And guess what? If we keep winning games like this, I don't know why we're going to stop. I don't know why we stop. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Bleeding BMG podcast. I'm going to give you guys an Indianapolis Colts preview. Give you guys a recap of that. Um, but I, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you're checking this out on um, YouTube, be sure to like, be sure to comment, be sure to subscribe. Let's keep finessing these algorithms. I'm seeing that subscription count rise with the with every episode drop. But let's keep finessing these algorithms. Um, if you're checking this out, we're available on all podcast platforms, but specifically on Apple Podcasts and specifically on Spotify. Leave a rating, leave a review, finesse those algorithms so that whenever you're searching up anything Washington Commanders, Washington Football, Bleeding BNG is the number one thing that pops up. We're trying to be your number one content hub for the Washington Commanders. Always check out our social media pages. Our Instagram is at Bleeding BNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. B-N-G. Our Twitter handle is spelled a bit different. That one's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. Um, be sh- I mean, yeah, there's only one G in our Twitter handle, like I said. Be sure to check us out. We're always posting every day, daily content, daily discussions. We love to chop it up with just NFL football fans, Washington Commander fans, everybody. Thank you guys for supporting the channel. Be sure to check in for the ne- next episode of the Bleeding B-N-G podcast, and I'll check in on you guys later. Peace.